0: Hello and welcome to Day 9 of 31 Days of Terror. To kick things off this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. I would like to thank Megan Medley Gretchen Reich Sana Dyker Daniela Lida Kaiser Trina Hollins, Stephanie M Sarah Kelly Cole Celine Sallow Jam Stephanie Reed, Megan Bella Lauren Manrique, Spoopy Lucy, Jennifer Sharkow, Jacob Hughes, Michiko, Pinay Flying High, and Daniel. Thank you so much for subscribing to the Patreon, it is so appreciated and I'm thankful for you every single day. And I have four spooky stories for you today and the last story is from the 11th of September 2020. And story number one comes from Tim. I live in the small town of Columbia, Pennsylvania in the United States, in between Lancaster and York counties. My town has a history of civil war events, such as the burning of the Columbia and Wrightsville Bridge, to stop the Confederate soldiers from coming further east. Runaway and escaped slaves found asylum with people all over with secrecy. They called this Hiding of the Slaves the Underground Railroad. People helped them travelling secretly to stay free. Since I was young, up until about a year ago, I have had strange events that I cannot explain. I cannot blame just the town that I live in and the history. I do not know why strange events have happened to me, but I do think that I have experienced paranormal events. I cannot explain why. I just accept it. I accept that we do not know if ghosts, demons, the afterlife, etc. are real, but I do believe in them. To be clear, during each event I was sober. I would not blame these events on mental illness. I just think there are forces that we do not see. As a child, at four years of age, I lived with my parents and my newborn brother, who was one years old at the time. On the second floor, you had to go through my parents' room to enter the room my brother and I shared. The room had two street-facing windows. My brother's crib was against the back wall and my bed was at the front near the window. I would wake up at night screaming and crying for my mother for the first few years that I was in my own bed. She would find tiny red stab marks on my torso, abdomen and back. She couldn't figure out where the marks were coming from for some time. One day, folding laundry, she got a prick on her finger from my blanket It was a handmade blanket with Mickey Mouse all over it that came from a family friend who has now passed away. The family friend had left a small sewing needle in the blanket. During the nights I woke up screaming I would tell my mother there was a man in my room. I still remember that man to this day. He was a tall figure who would sit at the end of my bed and stare at me. I don't think he meant any harm, but it did scare me. He was a glowing green like some of the ghosts from Scooby-Doo. One day after seeing this man a dozen or so times, I saw him one night and my mother asked, where is he? And I told my mother that he went out the window. Both windows were locked, no one else was in the house, and I never saw the man again after that night. I believe it was around the time my mother discovered the sewing needle that the man left. You could say I was having hallucinations, but to this day I believe it was a ghost. One of the strangest things... I think my brother stayed sleeping when I woke screaming. Infants, I guess, some sleep through anything. My parents own a warehouse for their family business in Wrightsville. I was about 17 and in high school when I worked the evening shifts for them. They make a wood product with thin metal stapled to it that is used in construction on metal studs for hanging cabinets. Many employees who worked alone at night had stories about seeing someone walk by them quickly and disappear. One employee who was tall, a 6 foot 2 inch man, said he was shoved hard one night by some entity that he could not see. Another employee, alone one night, got scratched by something he did not see. Something put claw marks down his back and it drew blood. He ran out of the shop without turning off lights or locking up. The next day he showed me the scratches. I didn't know whether to believe the stories, I thought the employees were trying to scare me. I was sceptical until I had my own experience. The previous owner of the warehouse worked for my parents for a year after my parents bought the building. He had filed for bankruptcy due to good business failing. He came up to me one evening when I was working alone and said, Have you seen anything weird here? I told him no and he said in a stern, serious tone, if you stick around long enough on your own, you will, and walked away without any further words exchanged. One night I was working alone at around 10.30pm. It was a summer night and still humid from the hot day. I was listening to the radio loud and had earplugs in because I was using a loud staple gun at the time. Out of nowhere, the radio went from playing a rock station that was on, to silence. After a few moments, static came through the speakers, like the sound when an older TV isn't connected to anything. Then it sounded like the station changed, but every pause it was still static. The next thing that happened was terrifying for me. All of a sudden, a deep voice came over the radio. It was deeper and darker than the voice of Darth Vader. It was speaking a language that sounded like Latin, it sounded commanding. After the first couple of words, the room got freezing cold. I stood frozen in fear. A feeling of dread, doom and terror filled my bones. The voice sounded like it was slowly saying a spell. I mustered the courage to yell, What is your name? Thinking of demon was present. The voice laughed for a few seconds and then continued to speak. I repeated, what is your name? You are not welcome here. Leave. The radio went silent for a few minutes. Then it changed back to the rock station that was on before the voice came. I did not turn off the lights or machinery in the shop. I did not lock the door. I ran out the door and went straight home. I believed that it was a demon possibly trying to possess me. The radio was used all the time by myself and employees never having issues with static before. Whatever is in that shop, it came there to visit me that night. It likes when you are alone, and I believe it is certainly some form of evil. At age 25, I started delivering gasoline to gas stations locally. At 26, I started training people to do the job. A new hire, who was only around 22, got hired and I trained him. One day, while delivering gasoline, he was driving the tractor loaded and I was in the passenger seat. Traffic was heavy. We were headed south on a highway doing about 60 miles an hour. We passed a girl in her 20s who was driving slow, only 45 or 50 miles an hour maybe. She was in a Robin's Egg blue station wagon, the old square type from the 1990s. About five minutes later, we passed the same girl. The kid driving said to me, did you see that? And I said, the girl. And he said, we just passed her. We talked about how there was no way possible that she could have passed us, and then we passed her twice. I've no explanation as to how this happened. It was like we warped backwards five minutes in time, even though we were further down the highway. Or maybe she teleported ahead of us. The event was strange. We both agreed not to talk to each other about it because it was such a mind-bender. One day while driving in Ohio, I saw two identical men walking across a bridge that passes over the highway. It was only these two men who were on the bridge, and it was two of the same old man. They had the same shirt, the same hat, shorts, sunglasses, and even the same wristwatch. They were walking in perfect unison. Having a side view, I saw their left arms being towards me were going front and back at the same time. Their legs were also in step, keeping a perfect pace. They both bent over for a moment at the same time. It looked like they pulled up a sock higher onto their calves and then they continued in sync. I have no explanation for this. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. I live on the coast of Western Australia and have for 10 years now. The house my family and I moved to was only a 10 minute walk from the beach where a path was made for bikers or runners to go along. In my early teens I was an avid runner who would wake up at 5.30am on the weekdays to go for a run before I went to school. This meant that during winter the path would be almost completely black until 6.30am in the morning. By this time i would have reached the second part of the path to give context the entire path is split with car bays which separate them and the second half is usually always darker and colder than any other part of the path anyway i digress i became quite comfortable running on this path as the sun would rise by the time i got to it on this particular morning in 2015 I'd gone for my morning run and somehow managed to zone out almost completely, like you do sometimes when you're bored and forget reality. I hadn't realised I'd entered the second path until I felt it get slightly darker. As I slowly started trying to focus on my running, I came across the bend of the path and came to a screeching halt. Walking across the path was a toddler. Now, it wasn't unusual for parents to take their young children or pets for walks at this time, as it was a family area, and I got quite used to having to announce myself early so as not to scare them in the morning with my running. So seeing this toddler didn't shock me too much, aside from the fact that he wasn't accompanied. I vividly remember yelling out, Hello? Your son is down here? But to no avail. All while this was happening, the toddler continued to walk across the path, reached the wire that keeps the path and the wild bush separate, and completely disappeared. I waited a whole two seconds before throwing my body into motion away from what had just happened. While I ran, I got the feeling of being chased and deeply watched and had a vision of a woman enter my mind. I was focusing on getting away from danger and my body was alerting me of the cause and got me home at record speed. I know this because my phone's running app let me know in a congratulatory manner that I had reached my fastest pace yet. And I also sprained my ankle. My mother was awake by the time I got home and saw me enter the house quite literally shaking. I told her what happened and she believed me as my family has always been quite spiritual and is aware of the attractions many of us make to the other side. I spoke to close family about my experience and recalled everything I could about this young boy, from his 1900s looking clothing to what looked like a train conductor hat. Yet I never mentioned the woman who chased me. I don't think I was ever going to until what happened next. As I mentioned, my family is extremely spiritual and I've been known to be a sort of conduit to spirits even as a child. One night a very close family friend and I were speaking about my experience on the path, as she had gone for a walk earlier that day, and I'd seen a dog walking next to her until she looked and there was nothing. Hearing this, I slowly opened up about my experience, and for some reason I went straight to the woman and I'll never forget what happened next. Without interruption, I suddenly told my friend her death was not an accident. Her death was not an accident, but a murder. And as I started to speak, I expressed what had happened and why she'd killed herself the way she did, almost as though it was myself that had done it. My mother hearing this found a news article from a couple of years before we moved to the area, where a woman, the woman I saw, killed herself by drowning, and her dog passed with her, and everything I'd mentioned about her as well and her intentions turned out to be true. Now after this happened, I decided to stay away from the paranormal, until a couple of months ago. So here I am, five years later, having a quiet night at home, when my mother yells for me to come to her, that she needed to show me something. I planted myself next to her, and she showed me a post made by a woman in a community Facebook page for the area, asking if anyone had experienced anything spooky or paranormal at the beach, as she was quite shaken. My mum showed me because she knew I had experienced something, and told me to message her so I did. I made sure not to express what had happened to me personally but to let her speak to see if what had happened would be any use. The first message I received was her telling me she had seen a little boy in a train conductor hat all alone playing in the bushland next to the path and as she looked back at him she saw him fade. I thought my heart had stopped and heard my mum taking a big intake of breath next to me knowingly. I ended up calling this woman to speak with her and told her what happened to me five years previously. To say we were both overjoyed we weren't insane was an understatement, but there is more to the story. She had taken a photo of the boy, and it ended up shocking my entire family. After this I felt a little bit more relaxed, and understood he was only a passing spirit, a child spirit that will grow and pass as he sees fit with no real connection to our world. You may be wondering what happened to the woman, and all I can really say is she never really left me. For five years I felt her following me in the dark, or making her presence known, until my mum helped me make contact again and be used as a conduit. I cried for her, for what felt like hours detailing how I didn't want my death to be real, and had my mum communicate with her on why she needed to pass on and to comfort her through me. After this I can say with full certainty that she has moved on. It's weird to say but my mother and I always know when a spirit has crossed or stayed and I know she's at peace finally. This isn't my first or last story. Living in a shadow infested house will get you that. But I'm happy to say I'm most comfortable sharing this now. And story number three comes from Kyle. I'm 23 years old and I help run a vintage clothing shop in my hometown with my best friend Barry. Being around articles of clothing that date all the way back to the early 1860s, you're going to have some activity. I've worked at this shop since I was 15. I've always had a love for fashion and design, but before this job I only had one encounter with a ghost. About six months before I was born, my great-granddad passed away. But before he died, my mother and father got to speak with him, and they asked if they could name their baby boy after him. He said, of course, but you're having two boys. He passed away shortly after that. The loss of my great-granddad broke my mother's heart because she loved him so much. Now at the time, my parents had no clue they were having twins. So a month later, they went to the doctors for a checkup, and the doctor said, You're having twin boys. I was very little. My brother was born at 8.5 pounds and I was a little over 3 pounds. We were born 32 seconds apart. So fast forward to me being 4 years old. My brother EJ and I would always take turns going over to grandma's house for the weekends. Never together, always our separate times at our grandma's house. I was with my parents for the weekend at home. And my mother called up the stairs to where I was in the hallway and asked, Who are you playing with? I told her I was playing with EJ and she said, Kyle, that's impossible, EJ's at Grandma's house. She came upstairs and sat next to me on the floor and asked me what this boy looked like. I told her that he was wearing a green suit and shiny shoes. My mother started to cry. I asked her why she was crying and she said, I've waited so long to hear from EJ. And I gave her a hug and we never really brought it up again. When I was in my early teens, Lorraine Warren came to my high school for a seminar about her ghostly encounters. She actually lived three minutes away from my grandmother's house in Monroe. We would always run into her at Rite Aid and she would buy fancy feast cat food and gummy bears. After the show, I went home and asked my mom about the day I was playing with EJ and she told me to wait at the kitchen table. A few minutes passed, and she came back downstairs with a photo album, and she showed me a picture of EJ. Not my brother EJ, but EJ my great-granddad, Edward Joseph, that my brother is named after. In the picture, he was wearing his World War II green marine military suit and patent leather shoes. I never really realized how much that one day affected my mom, in a good way. She waited four years for a sign that she was doing what was right for us. When I was 20 years old, my grandmother and I were cleaning out the basement at her house and I was going through an old box and found the full uniform. I felt like I was put in front of the box, like it had an energy around it pulling me towards it. I often wonder what relatives from our past would think of us in today's world. And story number four comes from Lottie. Okay, so I think the most important thing to put out there is that I absolutely don't believe in ghosts, or anything of that kind. However, I do believe that people experience things which can be interpreted as ghosts, and which are no less creepy without ghosts, if you catch my drift. I'm also not so cocky as to believe that I'm definitely correct. I won't mess with Ouija boards, for example, because although I think they literally are just a piece of cardboard, I'm not going to risk it and potentially piss Lucifer off. Saying all that, I don't know if this is a ghost story, more a bit of a strange one. A bit of a backstory is required. I can't explain in full, so I may come off as a bit of a bad person. But please understand that I always believe my heart to be in the right place. My grandfather suffered a terrible stroke when I was three, leaving him unable to speak and paralysed down one side of his body. "'He then later died when I was seven. "'I therefore have very few memories of him "'and none from when he was healthy. "'I'm 19 now, and while I wish it was not the case, "'I know that my grandmother most likely "'will be leaving us within the next few years. "'She has suffered multiple strokes herself, "'but due to advancements in medicine over time, "'she hasn't suffered as badly as her husband did. "'She, however, is in no great situation within herself. "'My aunt is a tricky person.' one who has rubbed me up the wrong way more and more as I have gotten older. One of the things she will do is steal things from Grant's house, or even sometimes our house, and keep them for herself. She told us multiple times that she's not leaving us anything in her will, she's leaving it all to charity. Which would be nice, if a sizable chunk of her belongings weren't originally somebody else's. Therefore, all of the family keepsakes that she has hoarded aren't going to stay in the family, my mum won't cut ties with her because she holds family in high esteem. I, however, don't. I don't take blood into account when loving people. If someone's nasty, I wouldn't hesitate to cut ties, in an ideal world. But for mum's sake, I put up with it. A while ago, maybe a year, I was at grands and I felt a kind of... pull? Not anything physical, and not even a divine knowledge of I need to do this. I was just there and I knew to go upstairs and into my mum's room. Gran's is an old, old house, so you have to go up the stairs and through another room to get to my mum's old bedroom. Anyway, I walked upstairs through the room and opened the door to my mum's room. The room is small, but full of junk, from over 90 years' worth of living. Gran has lived in her house her entire life. I believe she bought it off her parents when they moved out. Surrounded by all of this junk, I didn't hesitate to carefully pick a path through the room and get an old set of heavy drawers. I opened the top right-hand drawer equally full of junk and picked out a box which was, you guessed it, also full of junk. Screws and random chunks of metal. And a dead spider. But also a dog tag. Not the military kind, but a literal dog tag. Faded but still easy-readable, It was the name of a dog which my mother had told me died when she was still in primary school. I flipped the tag over and my heart melted. Along with the home address and phone number, my grandfather's name was scratched into the tiny piece of metal. I showed my mum and we've kept it hidden. My gran can't get anything out of it herself and I reckon my aunt had enough stuff to be getting on with. Plus, when our dog died five years ago, Mum was always so sad that she had forgotten to take off and keep her collar, so this cheered her up a bit. Fast forward to last month, September 2020. My aunt really pissed me off. To the point that I realised I wanted to do something. Not hurt her or anything terrible like that. But I knew that I had to go looking again for family stuff. Not jewellery. Gran had been burgled long ago so there was no jewellery left just personal treasures, worth their weight not in gold but in familial history. So last week I went to Grand's again. I was overcome again with the same feeling of just knowing where I had to go. I was going to try and take a few things that my aunt hadn't already. We deserve some stuff as well, after all. I wasn't going to let my aunt take everything for herself, not when she wasn't going to pass them back to us. Ten minutes I spent looking. I found a couple of pictures of my great-grandparents, a card that my mother had handmade for my great-grandparents one Christmas when she was obviously very, very young, stashed lovingly away in an old bedside table. But I also found, right at the back of a cupboard drawer, a watch. Not just left there and forgotten, but seemingly stuffed there, purposefully hidden, I thought, upon first seeing it. It was a man's watch, and so I reckoned it must be my grandfather's. A quick check with my mum confirmed it, I never got to inherit anything from my grandfather, a mix between the burglary and him not having much to give away. Mum said I could have the watch though. It's not fashionable and therefore it wouldn't be missed too much and it won't be worth anything, and it was broken. I did find the photos after all, which I don't think Mum had actually ever seen in her life before, so she wanted me to get something too. And this is where it gets weird. Keep in mind that my grandfather has been dead for twelve and a half years. And keep in mind that for three and a half years before that, he didn't have any need for a watch. I studied it while I was at Grand's. It was scratched and busted. It didn't work. Mum saw it. It didn't work. We drove home in the car. It didn't work. Now, I don't know about you, but my watch has a battery replaced once. It ran for a year, was replaced and then managed to run for two and a half years. So tell me why, even after all of the time that has passed, even after three of us had seen it broken because I'd shown my dad as well, it started ticking again. I had to keep hold of it since I'd picked it up, and I sat looking at it in the dining room, and it just started ticking again. It's been almost a week. I've been sat in the dining room while writing this with the watch on the table. And it's still ticking. Thank you so much for sending in today's episode and thank you to Tim, Jasmine, Kyle and Lottie for sending in your stories. If you would like to send in your story you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out our website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com and on that note we shall see you tomorrow.